0: Welcome back to episode 125 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we love to discuss the glories of rating gain, like, I don't know, gaining 150 points in one tournament that I just did. I don't know, I don't want to brag or anything. Uh, But we also dive into the plateaus and the pits of despair, you know, losing 150 points over the course of a year, like I also did. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I do want to thank our queen-level supporters, Tim Everett, Scott D4B6Joe, Matt Bush, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Halside, Jeff Peterson, Tobias Rex, Bob Berger, Nicholas Harrigan, Rich Bradley Fenner, Fletcher Ray, Nathan Peterson, Christian Glaw, and our King-level supporter, Ian Samples. Uh, I've been streaming a little bit on Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes. And if you want to appear on the show, you should definitely fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. Uh, I've gotten so many submissions. I'm going back through them again. And if you submitted yours months ago, just resubmit it. I'm kind of looking at the newer ones just to make sure that person is still interested in appearing on the show. And if you submit twice, well, then I know this person really wants to come on the show. Uh, If you're interested in getting better at chess, maybe you're going to use Noel Studer's Next Level Training Program. And there is a code in the show notes to support the show and help you get better. Well, let's bring on our guest today. We've got Cameron. He is an adult improver trying to do the impossible, to juggle a career, a life, and chess improvement. Cameron, welcome to the show, and have you had a chance to play any chess yet today?
1: Uh, Yes, I have. I've played uh, two moves in my daily games, um, and I've done several puzzles.
0: Several puzzles and two moves in daily games. So is playing daily
1: games uh, a
0: big part of your process, or is that just something you've got sort of in the background?
1: I I would say actually both. Um, you know, it is a big part of my process, yes, because it always keeps me engaged with chess in one way or another, especially when my rapid games kind of fall through the cracks. Um, but also it's always just kind of going on in the background. And so since I kind of have the partners that I play with pretty consistently, um, I'm my my daily games always are always going. I always have at least two to three going.
0: Okay. So is part of that kind of like the time restraint of when you say rapid games falling aside, do you mean like you just don't have time, but you always have time to make a move or two moves in a daily game?
1: Yes. And I would, if I'm feeling really antsy or, uh, you know, caught up with life just because of work or something to that effect, um, I find that it's easier to focus really, really hard and really evaluate my position in my daily games. Um, so that I make a really good move um as opposed to rushing through a rapid game and then losing rating points or just losing the game um, because I'm rushing and feeling antsy.
0: yeah, and then feeling bad about yourself probably afterwards, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, so do you find daily games to be helpful for your chess improvement then? It sounds like one reason is just you're constantly thinking about chess then because you have some of these going on. Um, any other ways that you found they help you?
1: Um I would actually say the I I hate that everybody says this because it's correct um puzzles. Um I really love my puzzles. If I'm not doing my daily games, I'm always doing my puzzles to kind of help my improvement. Um and as long as I keep my tactics training going in one way or another and some type of connection to just thinking about chess, whether it be the daily games or if I jump in for a couple of blitz or if I do get, you know, a extra long lunch break for some reason and I'll I'll play a couple of rapid games as well Hmm.
0: okay I'm just curious because it feels like um, daily games are kind of polarizing like some people love them and some people think they're kind of a detractor almost right like like, suck you into this false sense of like you can take all the time you need or you can open Mm -hmm. up the ratings book and just make all the perfect moves so I'm kind of curious like how do you use daily games do you interact with the ratings book are you trying to make the perfect move? Or do you play more like regular games that you just have more time on? Like, how do you use
1: them? Um, I feel them, I, I treat them more as um, regular games that I just make moves on. Now I try to remind myself that I have as much time as I need to make my moves. I mean, I've, they're normally three day games. So I have up to 72 hours to respond. And so I try not to rush myself if I don't have to. Um, but I also really like to keep it relatively casual and not sit there and try to make the best move possible because realistically, when it comes to my over the board experience, I'm not going to have, like you said, I'm not going to have all the time in the world. Um, So I I try to be realistic, you know, no master here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you're trying to sort of emulate real chess with the daily games. You're not kind of abusing all the privileges that you could with a daily game. Like there's lots of things that are legal technically that you could do. Mm
1: No, no, absolutely. I, I I don't really abuse it or try to th- use all the other resources that daily um games players will sometimes use, but I more so, it's just I know that I'm always gonna have the games with at least two people, if not three. Um, yeah. you know, and one of the people is a lot better than I am. I think he's rated twenty one hundred, maybe twenty two hundred. And then uh, the other person is rated below me. And I, he's actually been getting a lot better. He's up to 950 now, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, good good on him. But uh, when I started playing with him, I want to say he was like 600, maybe 500 or so. And so it's it's a fun cycle where I beat the guy who's lower rated than me. And then the guy higher rated than me beats me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: that sounds perfect.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah,
0: I really admire your ability to just treat it like a regular game because there was a period where i was like i should play daily games like you said i'll be more you know invested in these games i'll be thinking about them but but i did i was thinking about them like i think about a move for like 10 hours right like i would look at it Uh and i'd be like oh i don't know this is a tough one and then i would think and think and eventually i was like what am i doing like this is too much i can't invest this much time in this game and i just had such a hard time telling myself, Hey, it's just a regular game. Just make a move. Just make a move.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, when it comes down to it, like you said, it is just a game. Um, and so I, I, I see what you're saying because I, I get to that point all the time, but I also see it from a perspective of if I open up my phone and I look at the daily game or I put my computer, look at the daily game, and I find myself making a move because I decide that that is the best single move I can make as opposed to calculating. Um, then I am kind of working on training my brain to say, hey, you're not calculating, let's look away from the board for a little while, come back to it, take a look at it. and And, you know, only come back to it when you know that you're ready to actually sit there and calculate and do the work. Mm.
0: Yeah, I kind of like the idea of using it as like an ongoing calculation exercise. Mm-hmm. like you always have one at the ready and it's very impactful because it, it's your game um, okay. realistically
1: you can um re-evaluate you have to reevaluate the position every single time you open the phone so it really helps with your you know your just general evaluation You build that skill
0: yeah yeah definitely um and then do you use these games for analysis or anything like that when you're done or you just kind of move on to the next one
1: Funny enough, the, I just move on to the next one on my daily games. The rapid games are the ones that I use for my analysis, mm. um, primarily. Um, I guess the the best way to put to stage out my training um, is if all else fails and I'm kind of in like, you know, pit of despair, Def Con One. I my life is just too busy to mm. to play chess. Then I go down to the Bayer Essentials, which are daily games and puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, you know, it's not the middle of the holidays and people aren't getting sick and people, you know, a family isn't everywhere, um, then I you have time to play those rapid games. And so I, I do try to make a pretty conscious effort to play a couple games in the morning, a couple games after work um, wow. for a total, normally about two to three games, um, rapid games right. a day. So and those are those games that I use to sit and annotate and write my notes on and hmm. um, and. Yeah, and I, I really love the annotation process.
0: Um, okay, well, let's talk about that. And what does that mean for you to annotate a game? I guess first of all, how long are the rapid games?
1: Uh, thirty minutes.
0: Oh, okay, so they're pretty long.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I will cheat and do the ten minute rapid games, but realistically, uh, I have to do thirty minute games. And um, I actually played with somebody, a chess player that I met on Reddit, um, and recently, and we did technically a 30 minute game, but because it was a training um, game, we ended up giving each other time throughout the process, which I didn't realize you could do on (laughs) chess.com. Um, and I, I think the game was ended up being like a 50 minute each side game. Ah. So it was a long one. Um, yeah. So I guess, so 30 minute game, rapid games. Um, when I finish the game, what I like to do is go through and write down my initial thoughts. Um, of each move just kind of when i got out of my opening prep what my thoughts were for each move what i thought my opponent believed for each move Mm. um and then sometimes i'll just say something as simple as like and then the end game started and i won (laughs) something that effect (laughs) um you know because it's it's in-game technique and so um i know when i'm shortcutting when i start writing that type of that thing and so i will say okay cool time to go through my second sweep so i actually Mm. go through it three times and so the the third the second time i go through and i look through four tactics i may have missed or calculations or even stage out oh well i calculated this line and it didn't work out for me so that's why i didn't make this move or i calculated Mm. this line but as i play it out i should have made this move um and that's where I put my calculation for the end games. And so it's like, when I say, you know, it, this is where the in game starts. It's more so as a placeholder to remind me to say, oh yeah, I need to actually write my calculation. Um, and then on my third pass, I actually go through and write down my positional understanding of each step that I'm in or each critical point. Um, so that, because that's the most recent thing I've been developing in my practice is more um, positional play. And so I've been focusing on writing down color complexes or even saying, oh, I have a, a potential outpost, you know, on E5 or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, just so I can cover as many aspects of chess as I can think of. Um, and this will be over a period of about two days, I would say.
0: Okay. And how much time would you say you spend on this process? It sounds really time consuming.
1: Um, I would say... It sounds time consuming, but all in all, maybe two hours per game that I decide to annotate. Mm -hmm. And realistically, I will only annotate at my peak. I'm annotating two games a day, but at my, you know, on my baseline normal, it's probably one game every other day that I decide to annotate. So it's manageable.
0: Okay. That's a lot of time. Um, Do you ever wonder, like, what if I didn't spend all that time annotating and I did other study? Or do you feel like when you annotate, that's where you're really getting into your strengths, your weaknesses, um, you know, doing your calculation work?
1: I feel like the annotations are where the rubber meets the road. So um, when I am studying chess um, relatively heavily, especially when I'm prepping for like an OTB tournament... Um, I will wake up in the morning and the hour before I get ready for work, I will drink my coffee and I will do, uh, the Polgar tactics book for, um, 30 minutes. And then I will follow it up with whatever chess book that I'm studying, um, at that time for 30 minutes. So I kind of get a baseline understanding of what I want to work on for my chess throughout the day. And then I try to implement that in my games and the only way that I feel like in my mind that I pull that out is when I annotate, I can say, Oh, Hey, you know, I just, I, um, studied, you know, uh, how to control an open file today. And here's how I control the open file. And here's how I prevented my opponent from controlling that, the same file. Um, and it, it, it seems to be, I, I, I don't feel like the annotations are what teach me new things with chess, but I do really feel like they help me solidify what I've already learned.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're doing this amazing thing where in the morning you're gathering some new knowledge. And then after that knowledge gathering, you're trying your best to turn that into actual skill. You play a game where you're thinking about it. Then you examine the game through that lens and thinking about like, how can I take that knowledge I learned and and use it as an actual skill today? I think that's a really cool approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like to, um, it's, it's kind of my version of, you know, when people have the word of the day, it's mine. is like the chest haptic or the the positional <laughs> idea of the day where it's like, yeah, even, even to the point of sometimes I'll be playing rapid games and I'll be like, okay, I'm in a completely lost position. However, now I can focus on not now, but you know, I'm just going to focus on a positional idea of I want to get that outpost. And oh, I will okay. get that outpost and create that outpost and make it become a imbalance based advantage for me. And, you know, with playing a little bit of hope chess here, but um, with the hopes that eventually you get to the point where um, I am back in a winning position because I've just created no opportunity for attack for my opponent.
0: Nice. Um, What inspired you to take this approach of so much analysis? Cause I think, for many people it's like yeah i would love to analyze my games really deep and then like do you and you're like no so
1: what inspired you to actually do it um two i would say two people um one my chess coach josh um he inspired me to kind of look through my games annotate my games and, and analyze them um but i do feel that the amount of analysis that I do is way above and beyond what he was expecting. <laughs> Cause yeah. I have sent him several of the games and he's been like, wow, this is really in depth. <laughs> yeah. so, um, and then um, funny enough, uh, Dina I was uh, watching her Twitch stream and it was like on a random Sunday, I was watching her Twitch stream. I was about to play some games and she was sitting there annotating games and she was like, um, somebody said something about like why are you wasting your time annotating games and she said what do you mean annotating games is how you get better she's and then she followed it up by saying um if you ever want to get to the if, if you ever want to get to the level that i'm at or to my level you're going to have to annotate games and if you don't annotate games then you're never going to get to this level mm. um and so you know very matter of fact on her behalf but <laughs> Um, it really got the point across for me. And so then I, I watched the rest of her stream on how she really went move by move and annotated the game. And um, I've kind of developed my annotation practice from what I've observed with her.
0: That's really cool. Uh, I don't know if, if you've seen this, but Jesse Cry from the Chess Dojo is another person who's like really all in on like annotating your games is how he got good. And yes. that's how he suggests other people get
1: good. Yes, and... um I can't match Jesse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. He's That man, He. I remember he said something to the effect of, you know, a, a Grandmaster can sit down and, and analyze a game for a whole week to, yeah. to really get everything he needs out of it. And I was like, that's super cool. I yeah. do have a day job. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: kind of been my reaction. It's like, I love the idea, but Jesse's approach is so over the top. That for me personally, it almost leads to a rejection of that process, right? Like, well, I can't yes. come even close to what he's doing, so then I guess it just gives my brain that shortcut to be like, so we won't do it at all. And, and that's not yeah. entirely true. Like, I do annotate my games, but but not that deeply.
1: Well, and I don't, I can't confirm this because I'm not a chess dojo member, uh, like a, a few of your uh, interviewees have been, but our guests have been. Um, but, uh, I do believe that they break down their annotations by class, right? Yeah, probably. And it is, I think it's something to the effect of like, if you're in a certain group, you only have to annotate these aspects of your game or something Mm -hmm. because you haven't learned the other aspects. And so, you know, I'm only 1250, well, I'm 1250, I guess not only because I've improved a lot this year, but I'm 1250 on chess.com and I, I, I don't feel like I would. I just don't have as much to say as jesse does about chess you yeah. know i just don't understand it on the level he does
0: i also really like how you just corrected yourself there like you said i'm only 1250 and then you're like no i'm 1250 like that's something to be right. proud of
1: that's yeah. right that's right yeah i remember playing 1250s when i was when i would be throwing myself into like a rapid um tournament like a live tournament on chess.com mm-hmm. and i would play 1200s and when i played 1200s be like oh my god they're so scary they're gonna destroy me and now yeah. I'm 1200 and I'm like yeah twelve hundreds are still scary but I'm one of them and I'm also <laughs> feeling scary so
0: yeah I mean it's such a it's such an uh, interesting thing with chess that I think we all want to attach only to whatever rating we are you know like even if you're like 2650 six fifty, you're like I'm only 2650 like if I was 2700 maybe I'd get some invites you hit 2700 right. you're like i'm only 2700 i only get some of
1: the invites um yeah, yeah it's the so. equivalent of saying i'm i'm only you know one of the top i'm only in like the top 99th percentile of chess yeah. players but you know i could be in the top 99.9 percent so exactly be happy hard. with what you have
0: it's so hard to get away from that i think it's really important to sort of celebrate those uh victorious moments when we have them i've tried so hard to do it and like a whole variety of things. Like I hit 2,900, uh, mm-hmm. my chess.com puzzle rating. And so I like posted that on Twitter and it's totally irrelevant. Right. But it's still like, it's, it's something right. Like it, it demonstrates something. I have a little bit more knowledge of something than I had before. So, yes, so congrats to you for being able to say I'm 1250. And by the way, 1250 means you're pretty dang good at chess. I've played a lot of 1250s and they know what they're doing. So.
1: Yeah. I've actually beaten, um, a 2100 um in Blitz. Wow. And I've beaten mm, a 1750 um also in Blitz. And the 1750 is a, is one of the Twitch streamers I uh, watch pretty often. Um and I beat her on stream and it was awesome. awesome. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so which streamer was this? Gamer Girl Okay, I don't know her, but I imagine she's a is girl. yes, she's Dutch. She has a smaller following, but she's great, very, very involved with her uh her her chat room and so um i jump in a lot of her arenas okay
0: cool yeah arena is that place where i get to play people of all levels Mm -hmm. man like you make a blunder against what you think is a very low rated player and they're like hey i know how to play chess like i'm gonna beat you now and you're like they said
1: welcome to hell
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's it's hard to be like 800 because Mm-hmm. I've lost to several people in that range, and I always feel terrible about myself. And I have to tell myself, like, "Hey, someone who's eight hundred now is very good at chess. They just make more oh, blunders yeah. than me. But if I make more blunders than them, I'm going to lose
1: the game. Like that's chess." And and that's how I felt when I actually um, in, in the reverse, but when I beat the uh, twenty one hundred, because one, I was shocked I beat the twenty one hundred. But what realistically happened was we were both playing a pretty normal game of chess, and then they made a risky decision and I, the risky th- decision uh, allowed me to get a mate in five. I want to say a force mate in five. Ooh. Um, yeah, it was brutal uh, <laughs> on, on <laughs> my behalf, but um, I was like, okay, cool. Now could I do it again? Probably not. Did you but, see the whole mate in five? Um, I saw, funny enough, I saw four out of five moves. And then when I made the last move, the game ended and I was like, oh, I guess it was a mate in five. <laughs> I just can't, you know, I saw the first yeah. four of being like, I can force this move and yeah, I can force right, this right. move, you know, yeah. and then I get to the fourth one and I, I make just what seems like the next logical check. Right. And it was checkmate. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's always funny when that happens. You're like, oh,
0: okay. It's really terrible what happens in the reverse. And you hear a, yes. like, you make your move, they move and it goes bloop, bloop. And you're like, what, what? what
1: <laughs> yes i do that with the uh higher rated the 2200 uh daily player I, I i played with i remember i chatted him once and i said hey i've been studying positional chess do you have you noticed i've been playing um playing better he's like yeah yeah you've been doing really well and the next move he checkmated me and i was like <laughs> I, clearly not that great <laughs> uh,
0: i guess not that great yeah. Uh my favorite my favorite next move checkmate story is I was at a just like a like a party hanging out with some people a while back. And uh my friends like they play a little chess, but they're not chess players. And so one of them challenged me and we were playing and it was fine. And then, you know, it was getting deeper into the game, and he's like, I gotta go. And he pulls this guy over and he's like, Can you take over for just a couple moves? So the guy walks over and I just checkmate him instantly and then his buddy comes back he's like you lost the game for me like what are you talking about uh, great to watch them argue over who lost that game
1: so yeah. yeah
0: okay so let let's kind of trace back your evolution then so you said you're about 1250 now what was your rating when you just jumped on chess.com
1: um low <laughs> i would say um I don't remember ever hitting 300. I want to say I was 500 when I started um, because I want to say I played a couple of the bots like everybody does when I first started out. And then um, I played several games at 500, watched videos that were way over my head. um, Mm -hmm. And then I ended up getting a chess book and that bumped me up to
0: 700. Okay, wait. We got to give credit to this book. What book got you two hundred rating points? I
1: want this book. Oh, it's a classic. Uh, Bobby Fischer teaches chess. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, cover to cover, I did it in one week, and okay. then I. It, it was one of those things where the concept of visualization just kind of clicked in my mind, mm-hmm. and I was I was like, oh, checkmates. I get it now. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Okay. So Bobby Fisher taught you for 200 points. That's
1: pretty great. He taught me for 200 points. Um, then from the, what do you want me to tell my whole story?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So you're at 700 or so. What happens next?
1: Yeah. So I'm at 700 or so. Um, I, from that point, I actually moved from Georgia from Northern Georgia to, um, Nashville, Tennessee, because I finished nursing school. Okay. Um, and I moved up to Nashville to become a, um, nurse over at Vanderbilt. And funny enough, that was, it's not funny, but um, it was during COVID. And so uh, when we moved to Nashville um, during COVID, there was everything was closed. There wasn't anything to do. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm already starting on this whole chess thing. I might as well keep going. And um, so then I started logging into um, Gotham Chess's um, videos and ended up getting his um, beginner boot camp. And so I did the beginner boot camp, and that jumped me from seven hundred to, I would say nine hundred rapid, and then um, on my daily games I got up to a thousand. I want to say. Okay. Um, yeah. What kind of what kind of stuff do you felt like you learned
0: from this boot camp? I I haven't seen the boot camp before.
1: Um. He, realistically, he just gave you something to think about during the game i, I know when i was a yeah. beginner player it, it, the hardest part is like between moves what are you thinking about yeah um which is fair and so he he gives you a target you know he teaches you the yeah. basic um when it's your term you do checks captures attacks you look for those um types of things and here's how you do basic positional advantages um Here's a couple of openings that you can you can learn to kind of help your your play, and then here's a couple of for both black and white, and then mm-hmm. um, here's a few tactics and end games that you should learn um, at your level so that you can get a little bit better. And then I want to say he follows it up with how to study openings, um, yeah. so that you list. can yeah. It it was a pretty comprehensive course. Um, it, it really helped me out.
0: And then did you sort of like develop a repertoire off of that?
1: For your openings, uh,
0: or or did you just kind of still were you in the like I'm just going to take the middle get my pieces out kind of space?
1: If, if I would say fifty fifty, um, because I so I kind of had that thought process, but realistically I was really obsessed with the let's learn every opening idea, okay. which doesn't help your chess rating at all <laughs> <laughs> because I I know the first five moves of several openings, but I don't know what to do after that. Right. Um and so my repertoire was really all over the place. I want to say I was playing like E6 B6 for black and then I was playing the Vienna, which is Gotham chess's bread and butter. I was playing the Vienna for white for a while. Hmm. Um okay.
0: which I've since switched. How do you like the Vienna? It seems like a fun aggressive opening. I've never played it myself.
1: It, it's fun. It, you're you're right. It is fun and aggressive. Um, it's a lot of people, because they follow Gotham chess, do know tactics against the Vienna. Um, and just because of his big following, he kind of just has that influence of, of, you know, people know what you're going to do with a Vienna. And so it, it became one of those things where if you're not going to fall for like the vienna gambit or you get into um, a kind of odd situation 9 times out of 10 i was going to lose the game anyways i i yeah although i was rated 900 i i really don't feel that i was truly a 900 because i i didn't really feel it was like i was fighting for my life to stay at that, <laughs> that rating you know as opposed to Definitely. you know being pretty comfortable in the 900 mm-hmm. um range and it
0: felt weird as white to constantly be fighting for survival
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I haven't had that feeling because I haven't haven't played with the opening. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when did you switch? When did you decide to like think I should actually work on my openings and like find something I love, not just take uh you know the opening offered up in this course.
1: Um. Well, funny enough, after I had been studying um chess for for a couple years, I, I took oh. a pretty long break. I want to say eight months. And so those eight months still involved me playing, it you know DefCon One. It was playing tactics and daily games. Okay. So well, I kept doing that.
0: Quick, quick uh, investigation. This this period where it's DefCon One is this you as a nurse during COVID? Yes. Okay, <laughs> that does sound incredibly overwhelming. I remember
1: nurses yes. were like having the hardest job of anyone in the country. So yeah, it, so you're overwhelmed. I'm quite overwhelmed. And, um, you know, around the time it started dying down, it it was actually kind of funny because we would still have these fully staffed COVID units and there would be patients in in the rooms. However, the the patients weren't dying like they were um, beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so it was something more so like I'm taking care of people again. But realistically, everybody was mostly healthy. They were just infectious. And so we were just keeping them in their rooms until, you know, they feel good enough to go home. Okay. Um, which provided me plenty of time to, when I'm outside of the room and in the, the clean environment, to sit there and do chess puzzles. Okay. Um, yeah, it was far and few between, but near the end, that that did become more frequent. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, but from there, um, I took the, you know, the about eight month hiatus from playing anything serious on chess.com. Um, And then I ended up connecting with my um, casual chess group um, in Nashville, hung out with them, and they suggested that I learn the Scandinavian, Mm -hmm. and then I also play something else. I ended up not liking it, so it doesn't really matter, but I I think I want to say I ended up going to the Italian from there, Um, and I didn't have great luck with the Italian, and so... This year, when I actually started, I actually hired my coach in May. Um, He helped me kind of narrow down exactly the openings that I I should play. And I should only play with those openings and, and really hammer down, you know, my repertoire. So um, I would say until this year, I was kind of up in the air. And now I'm pretty solidly, I have my repertoire. Okay. So a couple of questions about that.
0: How did you figure out what to play? Did your coaches order you or did you kind of like, Go through your strengths and weaknesses and decide this would be a good opening for me.
1: Um, so the initial thought process was to find a style of player that I resonated with. Um, and so mine was primarily Kasparov. I really liked his mm. um his aggressive style. Um, and I really liked taking risks. Um and then there was another. Oh, I forget his name. Clearly, he wasn't that influential then. Yeah. Um, so, can I guess your
0: openings then if Kasparov's your inspiration?
1: You can. It doesn't align
0: with Kasparov. I kind of went left field. Oh, that's um, cool. Because I would have guessed yes. like the King's Indian
1: defense. I would I, guess maybe the Scotch game. Ooh, you, you got me right on one of those. You got me right on one of those. So, the Scotch Gambit um, okay. is my um, white repertoire. And then black, I do Sicilian Con. Hmm. um and for d4 i'll play the nimzo
0: okay
1: okay So, so that's um amazing. i was yeah and i consider kings in the end don't get me wrong with kasparov but uh i hmm. the nimzo i really really enjoy my games playing um the nimzo that's cool
0: that's definitely an opening that i haven't tried yet and i want to like i i would like to spend some time with that opening it looks fun it looks like aggressive enough it, it looks interesting <laughs>
1: well and realistically with the nimzo um win or lose i always feel like i have a quality game nice um it, like that even when i lose you know i'm 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 like wow this was still a really high quality game
0: nice i played the king's indian for about a year a long time ago didn't mm-hmm. go great it always just kind of felt like either i smashed them or i got smashed there was no like like tough grueling chess match it just it just felt like someone won easily
1: and it was uh i didn't love that uh feeling i don't know why that's kind of how i feel about the scotch gambit um but upon further discussion with my coach about it um he pointed out that in a lot of my games with the scotch um scotch gambit specifically if i get out of book too early i will make the wildest move for no (laughs) reason (laughs) and then i will be in a completely losing position yeah and um he said, you know, when you don't know what to do, play solidly. And <laughs> since I've been doing that, you know, I, it hasn't been that bad.
0: Okay, that's good. So I guess my last opening question is this. When you lose a game, are you like, ah, I need to switch my opening like the rest of us? Or have you landed on an opening repertoire that you're so happy with that even when you lose, you're like, well, that's fine. I, I'm still, this is my
1: opening repertoire and I like it. Um, It's weird. If it's for white, I've landed on opening repertoire that I'm like, this is it. I like it. I have evidence to back it up. We, the, the, uh, I want to say the highest rated player in Tennessee is, um, Alexander Fishbine, GM Fishbine, And he wrote the book on the Scotch Gambit, um, in order to make an argument that the Scotch Gambit can be played at the highest levels. Hmm. Um, which is irrelevant for me because I'm 28 years old and I'm a 1200 rated. I'm probably not going to be a GM. Um, but Um, I've landed on that. But for my black repertoire, you know, with the Sicilian, I feel like it's pretty overstudied on both sides. Mm. And um, although I like playing the Alapin against the Sicilian, I don't like playing against the Alipin. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am considering switching up my uh, my black repertoire.
0: I feel like especially at like the twelve hundred rating, isn't the Alapin the main line essentially at this point?
1: Uh, basically, basically, um, I, I even the guy that um is lower rated than me that I play on my daily games, um, he knows at least ten ten moves deep of Alipin um theory, and I'm just like, eh, maybe yeah. I'll switch to the Kara or something like that.
0: That's why I I used to play the Nidorf and I loved it, and this was like twenty years ago when the theory wasn't quite as developed, and you know mm-hmm. I was only like fifteen hundred and I could play it less than optimally. It was so fun; everyone played into it. And then I came back and everyone was like, oh, you you want to play the Allopin? And I was like, no, I want to play the Nidorf. And they're like, no, 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 you want to play the Allopin. <laughs> so I, I just gave it up because I was like, I'm not, I hate playing against the Allopin, so I'm doing something different. And what do you
1: play for uh, Black now?
0: Uh, I've been playing the Carol Con for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years now. I've really oh, i really liked it. I guess the uh, way I, I like to describe the Carol Con is like, I can take sort of like risks and do some things, And then Mm -hmm. I always have this indestructible pawn structure to like fall back on when things go poorly. So it's like a safety blanket almost that I have with my game.
1: Yeah, that's the thing I noticed on my uh, first over the board tournament is um, I like to call my first over the board tournament, which was back in July, um, a uh, victory sandwich. (laughs) I won my first game, I lost the the three in the middle, and I won my last game. Um, But Two of those games out of the five were Caros, and I lost both of them. Yeah. Um. And so I actually made it my mission to get specifically a repertoire against the Caro. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, and so that's helped out a lot.
0: I always hated playing against the Caro Khan as well. What do you <laughs> play then? Let me guess. You play the advanced variation.
1: Uh, exchange. Ooh, the exchange. Okay. So, I think it's the Rubenstein, um variation. So mm. uh. Um, yeah, I do the exchange variation and then um I bring the white bishop out to d3.
0: C3. Okay. Yeah, you play and then you play c3 after that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You get that little yeah, setup. I
1: get that little setup and then um end up getting my queen over to b um b3 mm. um at some point and the dark squared bishop over to f four at five i want to say yeah to block that line for the queen um and all i've i've been destroyed playing that people have absolutely wrecked me several times but (laughs) um i've had a lot of really good luck with it as well
0: okay that's good um i guess since you mentioned it let's talk about tournament play so you said your first over the board tournament was when in july of this year July. okay so what finally got you out to over the board
1: um so we can actually back up. So back in May, I hit a pit of despair. Um <laughs> I really did. So I, I jumped back in the chest actually playing rapid games online. I was rated like 950, I wanna say, on my rapid. Um, and I just started hammering games. And funny enough, when you start hammering games and then you get on a losing streak and you're still hammering games, you you really get into to a pit of despair. Yeah. And so I dropped from nine fifty to like six eighty. I want to say, oh, wow. like I dropped super far. And the next week I hired the coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I got I got my coach. I ended up I think between me meeting with my coach for the first time and um the the you know the deep pit I got myself in, I had bumped myself back up to like eight hundred. I want to say. Okay. Um, and you know. Among the first couple of lessons, he mentioned I should do an over-the-board tournament hmm. um, because it's people coming and playing chess, and they're bringing, they're bringing their, their A-game. They're, they're playing their absolute best, and you, yeah. worst-case scenario, you get a, a several high-quality games. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. So um, yeah, I started playing back in July at the Music City Open um, in Nashville. It was five games over three days um they were 90 plus 30 games okay. um so, uh, i have since learned that is a massive tournament to do for your first tournament <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so my head overwhelming was overwhelming the fun oh it was so fun
0: so were you ready at all did you like bring food and you were ready for a long event or was it just like oh this is so much
1: it, it's actually super funny. So a few weeks before I, I did the tournament, I was um in the chat room for, I want to say Nemo or one of the people on Twitch, and you were actually in the same chat room. Oh. And so I asked something about, you know, uh, um, any tips for your first over-the-board tournament, and you pointed me towards your video about that. Okay. And so I watched yours. I watched Lula Rob's videos um on what to do with your first tournament. So I was quite prepared i brought my snacks i brought my water i brought three pencils uh (laughs) i mean everything you can think of Nice. um but that week um i have adhd and Mm. i was diagnosed like i don't know probably two or a year ago uh maybe a year and a half ago or or so and so they were still kind kind of getting my meds settled around july yeah and um they switched me to a different med whose equivalent dose is double of what i was previously taking oh my okay um and so every time i walked into a game my heart was like pounding (laughs) it was going at like a 110 you know just walking through the door type of thing and so um i had a lot of anxiety over my first tournament
0: okay but you still had fun despite that anxiety
1: oh yeah I had yeah, so awesome. much fun. I, I even with the games I lost, um, I had great conversation about them. I had a lot of very high quality games. Um, and I was introduced to the um what, what what would we call them the army of small children who are incredible at chess for no no good reason.
0: <laughs> it is
1: very frustrating at times.
0: The worst thing for me, is when the kid can't reach the pieces and has to have a booster seat. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm going to lose to someone that can't reach the pieces. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. I put the ego aside. They're just good at chess. I mean, what are you going to do?
1: They've been trained longer than you have. And, and the, you know, they learn chess and you learned your ABCs. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's awful. My family actually makes fun of me too because they'll be like, ah, so uh, did you beat an eight-year-old in chess last week? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be yeah. like, no, he beat me. Thank you.
0: Yes, my family, as soon as I get back from any major tournament, the first thing we'll ask, not that you beat any children, but how how old was the youngest person that beat you? That's their first yes. question. Yes. Oh, man, that's horrible. And then when I brag and I'm like, listen, I I defeated the third best 12-year-old girl in the country. They're like, I don't care. I just yeah. care that that seven-year-old crushed
1: you. And I'm like, come on. Jake. yeah. That or or was I'll say something and I'll say something like super impressive. I'll be like, yeah, I calculated a, a mate in seven that I pulled against this this my opponent and I absolutely destroyed them. And they'll be like, oh, okay, how old are they? And I'll be like, yeah. well, they were six, but
0: <laughs> they were really they were, good. They were really good. Oh my goodness. Okay, since we're talking about kids, I'm just gonna say it right now. The next episode is going to be With my arch nemesis slash little friend forrest he is eleven, and the goal of this episode is going to be to figure out like what is it, what are they up to, like how do they get so good? We're gonna we're gonna try to crack open his melon and figure out what does he do to get so good at such a young age. So, so stay tuned for
1: that. And you should get uh get some autographs ahead of time. You know, from what I heard in your uh, last episode. He's going to be a GM soon. So, <laughs> he's
0: going to be good. He's uh, after our last tournament, he's up to 1930 now. That this kid is uh he he is doing well. He is doing well. I'll say that. Nice. Okay. So, you go to your first tournament. It's uh ratings and results wise, it sounds like it's pretty good. What's your rating coming out of that tournament?
1: Um, it sounds good. It's not. It, it came out at 30. Uh, 630. 630. Okay. <laughs> 630. That's not bad.
0: That's not bad for a first tournament. Yes. Uh, have you played any tournaments since then?
1: I have, yes. Um nice. so since then I did the Battleground Murfreesboro. So the the town south of Nashville is Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's where I I work. Okay. Um and their chess club is awesome. Um and they do a Battleground Murfreesboro every year. Um and I ended up I want to say I won 2 out of 4 games there and that was a 60-30. Nice uh or 6015 sorry um and then after that i had my bachelor party because i got married this year Congratulations. um thank you um and my bachelor party of course i'm playing chess at my bachelor party but mm-hmm. i had a bachelor party in san diego um and i hit their uh gambino or gambito up yeah. on saturday
0: yeah that's um,
1: cool i forget is that a quad tournament that's not a quad no okay. it's a, it's an all day um 35 I want to say 30 Mm. plus five um and it's four rounds okay wow yeah so yeah it was a good time um I only won one game on that one but realistically I was just distracted I was my bachelor party and I I I was drinking the night before because it was my (laughs) bachelor party um so, that doesn't help your chess. So,
0: were um, other people at this bachelor party playing in the tournament or were you just like, "Thanks for coming out for the bachelor party. Now I'm going to spend all day playing chess." It
1: was so it, it, it was a unique situation. I actually went to visit the people for the bachelor party and I stayed at their house. Okay. And so, on the day of the tournament, I would, I just was like, "Hey guys, um pick me up at 6." <laughs> so, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too crazy. Um, yeah. Were were they like you
0: have like something's wrong with you, man? You're here for a bachelor party and you want to play chess?
1: Um, I think my family and friends are well accustomed to how obsessed with chess I am. Okay. Um, at this point, point. and so you know, I, I appreciate them being so supportive because uh, they you know they they get it now. If I say hey, I'm I'm gonna go you know across the the state to go play a chess tournament, they don't really question it anymore. It's great. Okay, nice.
0: And, and I guess my final question about tournaments is like. Why do you keep going back? Like, what is it about these over-the-board tournaments that's somehow different? Because you can play all the games you want online. Why, why do you keep going back to over the board?
1: The people, the people, absolutely. Um, the last two tournaments that I, I've been, I've done. Um, I won the last two. Um, so I won a quads tournament, and then I actually won a full national chess day tournament. Um, oh. The under um, twelve hundred amateur division, I won that, and my like class rating group. Um, but the people who I played against there, I played in my first tournament back in July and, um, I only see they don't live in Nashville. So I only really see them at these tournaments and, um, I play with them online every once in a while, but they're, they're great. I mean, it's good to talk to people who understand or understand that we are all taking time out to do these big tournaments over the weekend. And, you know, we're leaving our, our wives and families, you know, um to do this and they're all really really supportive and 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 helpful and um really really like to watch we we all like to watch each other grow um that's cool yeah
0: and are you able to take your online as seriously now that you're playing over the board like can you take them both seriously or does one kind of take priority over the other
1: um in my mind the over the board tournaments take priority over my online play but I kind of do that in order to, to safeguard myself. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, um, I don't, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm not focusing so much on the rating, um, but more so the quality of my play. Um, and to get to a point where, um, I am awesome at chess and my rating is great, but it's not because I worked on my rating. It's because I worked on my chess because at the end of the day, it's, it's your chess.
0: Yeah, so instead of obsessing over your rating, you're obsessing over chess, and then yes. your rating theoretically will improve.
1: In in theory, but yeah. You
0: know. Okay. Um, okay. So you've talked a lot about a lot of chess, and I can't help but think it sounds like you're doing like five hours of chess a day. So help me understand how much chess are you doing every day or each week?
1: Um, I would say you can give me a solid hour in the morning um every day when i'm hitting it hard i will probably do about 30 minutes to an hour in the middle of the day um and then maybe twice a week i will do um one 30 minute rapid game um after work uh and that's a that's a strong a strong maybe because uh half the time i don't do it anyways so two to two to three hours a day, um, you know, mixed in with my responsibilities. Uh any more than that, I kind of find that my life falls apart, but I get really good at chess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it worth it? Are you ever like, you know what? I'm just doubling down on the chess. I can feel myself getting better. Life, you're
1: just gonna have to fall apart around me. It's fine. Um you know, I wanted to and and the wife won't let me anymore.
0: (laughs) You have a reasonable partner in your life. Who's like, Hey, we, we gotta get some balance here.
1: Yes. She's, she's understanding when I, I, you know, go three hours away for a tournament for the weekend, but that, that Mm -hmm. trade-off is I do have to clean out the gutters the next weekend, because that is a project that we are supposed to do anyways.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, You talked about coaching and it sounded like the reason why you got coaching was, you were really intent about getting better and struggling what has coaching brought to you that's helped you improve
1: um realistically josh um has helped me ha- just helped with my journey realistically he's he's pointed just pointed me in the right direction he said you know hey if you're not playing games if you play games you'll get Better and I know that sounds like it's just common sense, but but realistically, I, I kind of when I went to him, I was like, hey, I played thirty games in a row and my rating went down to six hundred. Wow. Um, but also before then, I hadn't played any rapid games for eight months, and he was like, well, <laughs> what do you want me to do about? It? Yeah, <laughs> um, it but then he, <laughs> yeah, and but then he also pointed out, um, more intentional tactics training. So the Polgar books, he has me work through the um, mini games in the back of the book, um. Okay. Out with my visualization um he turned me on to the dover tactics um school of tactics um books is. what did you say the dover net um school of tactics okay there i found free pdfs of them online but he sent me a, a pdf of of it um it's just a a tactics book where it it hmm. starts with mate and ones and then it just progressively gets harder over time um but it's not broken down by um it's not sometimes it's broken down by tactics type but it's not always broken down by tactic type so sometimes it'll just say white has mate in three figured out Hmm.
0: okay so that you're working through that tactics book a lot and um yes yeah it sounds like he also helped you get your repertoire set up which is important
1: um, yes, he had, it was funny. He had a habit of every, um, opening that I told him I hated playing against, he told me to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, idea. it's an awesome idea. Cause I was like, I hate playing against the Scotch and he, funny enough, he is a Scotch player or he was a Scotch player. He's not new um, anymore. Um, and he was like, no, you should play the Scotch. And so I showed him some of the ideas I had playing against the, um, Judah. the name is escaping me but it's it's one of the lines that comes off the Italian and, and he was like well that's the same idea as this and the scotch mm-hmm. so and you can get to there two moves faster so why don't you just play the scotch um and then same idea for black I told him I don't want to learn the Sicilian I don't want to play the Sicilian <laughs> I don't like playing against the Sicilian and he said that's great you should play the Sicilian I said <laughs> Okay. okay,, interesting. Was it
0: so that you would have more experience playing against it at a minimum?
1: Um, yes, and it also is so that my I because those openings targeted my weaknesses like sharp play um, and you know very, very rapid attacks, it helped develop my skills on that style of play so that if when somebody plays that against me, I'm like, well, I know what you're trying to do and I'm just gonna not let you do that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so it sounds like coaching overall has been quite beneficial for you. Are you still taking lessons with this coach?
1: Um, yes. Um, I've taken the last couple months off just because the holiday season is really, really hectic. Um, but I was actually talking to him right before this. Um, this podcast, and uh, we're gonna probably meet up again in a couple weeks. Um, and kind of get me back on track, get me on to the next uh, chess book because I finished my previous one um, and, mm. uh, you know, get me ready for tournaments next year. All right. Well, I'm a big chess book fan. So what was the book you just finished? Um, The Amateur's Mind oh, by okay. uh, Jeremy Sillman. Nice. Um, and then I'm following it up with How to Reassess Your Chess. Okay,
0: there you go. What yeah. what'd you like best about Amateur's Mind?
1: Um, I, I really liked how he would describe different positional so i started out by reading simple chess by um hmm. steam first yeah and so i got a, a positional understanding um to start out with but i really like how um jeremy Silman um really kind of discussed positional ideas in a more understandable way than simple chess did and not to say simple chess isn't amazing because it really did help my play a lot Um, But I I felt like the amateur's mind, he really helped me solidify what Simple Chess was trying to portray.
0: Yeah, Um, that makes sense.
1: And at all levels, too, because I remember the first, you know, the first chapter where they were talking about different, they were going through different games at different rating levels, Mm -hmm. and the person who was 1200 was saying the same things that I was thinking (laughs) while evaluating the game, and I was like, oh
0: crap i guess i'm a 1200 okay yeah it is funny there's um i don't know if you've done this think like a super gm by michael adams it's like a a calculation book a... and it has that kind of thing and every time when i give my answer and then the 1200 would give their answer i'm like oh no that was exactly <laughs> the
1: answer i gave am i 1200 oh yeah. no <laughs> uh, <that> was,
0: <laughs> this is fun yeah, when I think of Michael Steen's Simple Chess, I always think of that's your second strategy book. So it makes sense <laughs> that you would have wanted to have another one that kind of maybe laid out some of the basics that are kind of skipped over by him or at a minimum give you you know a little bit more nuance for some of those areas.
1: Yeah, I feel like Michael Steen too, he 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 jumps into um, a little bit more of the nitty gritty um, yeah. of things. I mean, it's super understandable and it's a short book. So it's, it's a great first if you're trying to learn how to read chess books and you're at like a good rating range where you're like 1100 to 1300 and you've never touched a book simple chess is easy enough to just like pick up it's you know quick read there's not a lot of variations you know and and so Mm -hmm. it's not that bad Um, but he also still gets into the aspects of like well if you have an open file you want the king next to the open file and Mm -hmm. you know an outpost isn't technically an outpost until it's protected and like the, just the nitty gritty of things and it's like yeah. that's cool what's an outpost
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely like when you open the book and there's a whole chapter on the minority attack and the book's only 100 pages you know oh you're God. getting into some nitty gritty there that's a chapter you just
1: skip and you're like alright I don't even know
0: what's going on here how about just uh, some basics
1: yes and he does the minority attack and then we we, you know or then he talks about color complexes and I was like yeah there's black pieces and white pieces <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that for sure. Um I think the last thing I want to ask you about is something that, that you mentioned just offhandedly a long time ago that you have a casual play group. I want to hear more about this cuz it sounds so fun just to like meet up with some people casually and play some chess. How does that work? Yeah.
1: Um we are the Casual Chess Corner. Um traditionally these guys will either meet up at coffee shops every Saturday which as it's getting a little bit colder out here, um we're not meeting up as often, um, but we'll grab a table at a coffee shop, drink some coffee, play some games over a Saturday or during the week. If anybody has free time, we'll just throw mm-hmm. a message in WhatsApp and say, you know, who's available. And we'll normally meet at some other coffee shop or grab a beer after work or, or, or something cool. to that effect.
0: Um, right. A lot of what really cool guys. Of, what kind of time controls do you guys play?
1: Um, They are we'll either do a casual game with no time control where we're just sipping over a a drink and, and talking. Um, we'll do, um, bug house. We'll we'll play that. Um, or we'll do, um, three to five minutes.
0: Okay. It sounds like a really fun time. I feel like Mm -hmm. people need to work that a little bit more into their lives that just to like no ratings, just having fun. But it feels like for me online, it feels so empty but like somehow Mm -hmm. in person, like you can have a conversation, you're hanging out with another fellow chess, chess aficionado. It just feels different to play casual Mm -hmm. in
1: person. Yes. And I I love playing casual chess just because you can talk about chess on whatever level you're on. And if they understand it, they understand it. If they don't, they don't, but you're still talking chess and that that's okay. You know, and it's, Um, I think the, the biggest thing too, is like the first thing that they discussed whenever we got into, I started playing with them is they're like, we don't really talk about ratings here. Um, We don't talk about what your rating is. Um, we're not going to break you down by your rating. You're, if you want to play chess, just play chess. Um, you know, helps remind me that it it is a hobby. It's not a, it's not (laughs) a job. Wait, it's just a hobby. i know right we can all get out (laughs) i've invested so much into this how could it just be a hobby i don't know what you talk about i made two hundred dollars like two months ago so you know my mortgage is sent
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my all right well cameron thanks so much for joining us it's been really fun to hear about your journey it sounds like it's going great you're having a lot of fun you're playing tournaments like i don't know any goals in mind as we wrap up here any ratings goals or just like production goals where, where are we at there
1: um funny enough i know i said i don't like to focus on the ratings but my ratings goal is 1700 <laughs> okay. so um i want to hit 1700 um eventually i'm not trying to put a time frame on it um, and then I would love to go back to the music city open next year and, um, see how I do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take it year by year and just see how I improve over time.
0: Nice. And is this 1700 USCF or chess.com or both? Um, uh, both. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah. It is funny how goals work, right? I am 1700. So I'm like 1700. That's a terrible chess player. Cause that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i
1: mean maybe by the time i get there i'll be i'll be shooting for 2000 but you know baby steps
0: yeah i don't even know what i'm shooting for anymore i'm just happy i got back over 1700 after my colossal collapse so so that's good that's good all right well cameron thanks so much for coming on it was great talking to you uh for those of you out there who are struggling looking to get better well come back next week you can hear how an 11 year old gets better i'm just hoping that it's not extensive Fortnite and juice boxes i want to hear he's doing something to improve i have to imagine he is and uh i'll see you all next time everybody have a good one goodbye